0: From the earliest I can remember, I have always been a New York Yankees fan. I know that's dangerous to say here in Southern California, among Dodgers fans and Angels fans, but, but just hear me out. You know, Even when I was born in Wisconsin, when I turned two years old, I got a Yankee shirt for my birthday, Um, from my my dad. Uh, I grew up collecting Yankees baseball cards as a kid. And and when our family moved from uh, Wisconsin to New York when I was 10, then it was amazing because then I was actually in the midst of Yankee fans and I was actually even able to go to a couple of, of Yankee games at Yankee Stadium when I was a little older. And so why was it that I loved the Yankees? Why is it that I loved the Yankees? Well, a big part of it was because of that guy right there next to me, my dad. Uh, my dad was a huge Yankees fan. He grew up as a Yankees fan because his dad was a big Yankees fan. And, and so it was sort of passed down within our family uh, to root for the New York Yankees. And most of the relatives on my dad's side were big Yankee fans. So that helped me, encourage me in that too. So when Rochelle and I got married, we made a deal that I would root for the USC Trojans if she would root for the Yankees. Um, and we, 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 I was rooting for the, for the Trojans yesterday. It was a hard, that was a hard loss yesterday, but, but, uh, but, but she's embraced that. And so when we had our first child, you better believe it. I was going to raise my children to be Yankees fans as well. And so our oldest son, Lucas, when, on his fir- one-year-old birthday, um, the theme of his birthday was baseball. And so that meant that, guess what? me and Rochelle and little Lucas, we were all wearing our Yankees gear at his first year uh, birthday party. We actually brought him to a Yankees game when he was just a couple months old. Um, so, so I even upped up, up my dad, you know, from, from there. And, and uh, it's pretty amazing that even though we've been living here in Pasadena for almost two years, it has, it has stayed strong with my kids, all three of them. They are, they are Yankees fans through and through. And it brings me such joy. It makes me so proud, you know, as, as, a, as her father. Well, the reason I'm talking about this whole thing about, about Yankees is that, is that I want to use this as sort of an illustration for something that, you know, similar but much more significant dynamic when it comes to our lives as Christians. Because I think that for most of us who, who believe in Jesus, we can probably think of people in our lives who encouraged us to believe, who, who brought that to us, brought us into that faith and, and helped us grow as followers of Jesus, similar to my dad and his relatives kind of wanting to raise me as, as a Yankees fan. And I should note that my dad and his relatives, they wanted me to love Jesus way more than the Yankees. Okay. So just to, just to put that out there, um, but part of our growth as Christians, too, is that we are called to help others learn to love Jesus and help them grow in their faith, too, just like I'm trying to do with my kids. Again, Yankees, yes, but more so Jesus, right, in, in their lives as well. You know, this, this whole concept of, of sort of growing from those who have come before us and then passing that along to others, it's, it's part of this fifth and final purpose of our church um, as we're concluding this sermon series that I've been preaching over the last uh, several weeks called The Purpose of the Church. Um, and what we've been doing is looking at, at sort of these five key purposes that our church affirms here at Emmanuel. purposes of why we gather, why we are the church. And we looked first at those first two purposes of, of worship. Why do we exist? We, worship, we exist to worship God. Why do we exist? We exist to pray, to, to communicate with God in prayer. Those two purposes are all about our relationship with God. Then the third purpose we looked at was fellowship. That part of our purpose is for each other, too, to grow as, as, as a community, to grow in fellowship one, with one another. And then last week, we looked at that fourth purpose of evangelism. That part of our purpose as a church is to bring the good news of Jesus beyond our church to others who, who don't know him yet. And so today, we're finishing with our fifth purpose, Purpose number five, which is discipleship. Discipleship. Um, And discipleship is all about growing as a disciple or a follower of Jesus. And so a a key purpose of the church is to help us grow as disciples, but also that we as the church are to help others grow as disciples as well in their lives. That especially those who, who come to faith in Jesus, like we talked about last week, through evangelism, that that's not the end, but it's the beginning of a process of growing, to know Jesus more, to follow Jesus in our lives through this process of discipleship. So the passage of scripture that we're going to focus on today is 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, which is on page 842 in the Pew Bibles, if you'd like to follow along there. Um, and what we're going to see in this passage in, in 2 Timothy is that it gives us actually an example of discipleship in the life of Timothy. It's that for 2 Timothy, is a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. It's a personal letter that he wrote. And we're going to see kind of in the way that Paul talks to Timothy in this passage that it gives us some insight into what discipleship looks like as we, as we see Paul writing here to Timothy. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, I thank God "...whom I serve, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also." For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for... This, uh, this letter that Paul wrote to Timothy that, that, that uh, we get to, to benefit from, Lord, as we hear your word proclaimed to us through the words of Paul. And, and so we pray that you would give us ears to hear your word today and shape us through it, Lord. to Disciple us today of what it means to be disciples of yours and how you're calling us to, to be, come alongside of others, Lord, to help them grow as well. So teach us, um, open our ears, open our hearts to receive from you today now. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we kind of dig into um, our text today, before we dig into this this passage that I just read, I want to start with just sort of an introductory question that's similar to how I've approached um, each of the previous four purposes. And that that question first is just sort of a definitional one. What is discipleship? When we use this term discipleship, what are we talking about? Well, at its core, the way that I'm defining discipleship here today is that it is the process of growing as a disciple— and they're in parentheses, student or follower of Jesus. The process of growing as a disciple of Jesus. Notice, first of all, that it is a process. It is a process. It is something that is ongoing. We never finish the process of discipleship um, until we die, until heaven. We're always in the process of growing as a disciple of Jesus. And it's a, it's a process of growing. It's a process of growing as a disciple. And, and there you see that in parentheses, I put after disciple, student or follower, because that is what a disciple is, according to the New Testament. The, the Greek word that we translate, disciple, in the New Testament, it means someone who is learning from a teacher or who is following a leader. So, It's a student. It's a follower. And and so discipleship is the process of growing as a disciple, as a student, as a follower of Jesus. You know, in Jesus' ministry, he chose 12 men to be his primary disciples. That was the was the, the word that was used to talk about them. They were his students. They were the ones who literally followed him around for three years as he was ministering. And, and that is exactly what a disciple did in Jesus' day. They followed their rabbi, meaning teacher, wherever he went. They, they learned from his teaching. They, 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 they were trained to live also like him, to, to watch his example and, and begin following. And actually, uh, Jesus says something about this in, in the Gospel of Luke. In Luke 6, uh, verse 40, Jesus says, "...a student is not above his teacher." But everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. So Jesus kind of gives a definition there of what, of what this whole discipleship is. As, as, a, as a student is following their teacher, are, part of it is that they're, they're becoming like their teacher. And that's what Jesus' disciples were. That as they were following him and learning from him, they were also becoming like him. In, uh, in Japan, there's actually a tradition for how someone learns the art of pottery, that when when a master potter takes on an apprentice, the apprentice actually moves into the house of the master potter and lives with their family for several years. And so they actually have to do everything the way that the master wants it done. Not just the learning of pottery, but actually every part of their lives that the master is teaching them through every element of their living life together with this master potter. And that's kind of what it was like for Jesus' disciples, that, that as they that, that as they walked with him, they were living life with him and they were being shaped by his teaching and shaped by his example. So what about us today? Well, when you trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, receiving that good news that we talked about last week with that purpose of evangelism, guess what? You become a disciple of Jesus. You become a disciple, and the rest of your life is about growing as a disciple, learning from Jesus, following him as he leads you, and becoming more like him. But of course, Jesus isn't walking around in the flesh here on earth anymore, like he was with those original disciples. So discipleship for us is going to look a little different than what it was for the original disciples. But here's the thing. The same thing was true for Timothy, who Paul was writing that letter to, right? Timothy wasn't walking around as one of those 12 disciples with Jesus, so discipleship for Timothy is probably a lot more similar to what it is for us, right? Who are having to learn not from walking with Jesus in the flesh here like the 12 disciples. But so we're gonna, as we look at what Paul says to Timothy in the passage that I read, it's going to help us understand how discipleship happened for him and what that can teach us about discipleship for us. And that's important If discipleship is one of our five main purposes, right? We want to understand what that looks like in our day-to-day lives. So let's move on to that. the next question, which is how does discipleship happen? How does this process of of growing as a disciple of Jesus, how does it happen? Well, as we're going to see in our text, discipleship happens in relationship with other believers and based on God's word. So there's two components there, right? It happens in relationship with other believers and it's all based on God's word. It's, that's where it's rooted, rooted in. Um, in verse five, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. So Paul says that, that Timothy's mother, And grandmother had a sincere faith. And Timothy now has that same sincere faith. So the implication here is that Lois and Eunice taught Timothy and nurtured his faith in Jesus, right? That the faith that they had, they passed along to their son and grandson. In other words, Timothy's early discipleship happened in relationship with his mother and his grandmother, who were also believers, You see, those first disciples, the the 12 guys who were walking around with Jesus, right, while he was here on earth, they taught others what they had learned. They began to help others grow as disciples of Jesus from what Jesus had taught them. And then those people began to teach others. What they had learned from those original disciples and on and on and on. And so here we we have Timothy who is learning from his mother, his grandmother, who heard the good news about Jesus and heard about this. But here's the other thing that those some of those disciples also wrote down what Jesus said and what he did and how he lived, right? And so we get to benefit, now 2,000 years later, from those original disciples, from the, word, the literal words of Jesus that are written down in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so we can read directly what Jesus said to his disciples, what he said to those around him, how he lived his life, the example that he gave. And those four Gospels, guess where they are? They are in God's Word. They are God's Word to us. And so as we are growing in discipleship with other people, where does that discipleship happen? It happens as we study God's Word, as we are shaped through uh, God's Word, the Bible. Um, Later in, in this letter, Paul says to Timothy, he says, "...that from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus." So Timothy's mother and grandmother, they taught Timothy, Paul says, from infancy. What did they teach him? They taught him from the Holy Scriptures. They have known the Holy Scriptures, that they taught him God's word, right? Here Paul is talking primarily about the Old Testament Scriptures at the time, because the New Testament was being written, right, at that time. But for us, too, today, we are given these Holy Scriptures, Old and New Testaments. And so again, for, for Timothy, his early discipleship happened in relationship with his mother and grandmother, and it was rooted in God's word, in the Holy Scriptures. We saw that same dynamic, actually, in the passage that, that Dawn read earlier from Deuteronomy 6, way back in the Old Testament, right? That God, when he, when he gave the law to his people, he said, what are you going to do? Teach this to your children. That's right. Talk about it as you're walking. Talk about it as you're sitting at home. Talking about it when you rise and when you sleep right? Teach them to obey these commands that I am giving you. And so back in the Old Testament, in ancient Israel, how did discipleship happen for them? It happened also in relationship with each other. It happened in being rooted in God's word. At the time, again, it was the commands that God had given them. Now, some of us can probably relate to Timothy's experience of growing as a disciple in relationship with someone in our family. Um, I mentioned earlier that my dad was a big Yankees fan, right? He wanted to pass along that love for the Yankees to his children. But, but as I said, the primary thing that both he and my mom wanted to pass on to us was a love for Jesus and, and a knowledge of God's love for us expressed in Jesus Christ. And, and so they 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 were the ones that we were in relationship with, who were helping us grow as disciples. And what did they do? They taught us God's word. They, they, my mom would, would sit down with us every night, and we would read Bible stories together, and we would pray together as a family. And my parents took us to church, where we were able to learn from other believers, from, some of the, from our Sunday school teachers. And, and we, they wanted us to be shaped by God's word. They wanted to be shaped also by the other believers who were there, right? Not just them, but a community of believers. Now, I know for, that for also for some of you, your parents did not raise you in the Christian faith. Right, that that, that many of you came to believe in Jesus because you heard the gospel from someone else, someone who is not your parents or any family member, and your process of growing as a disciple of Jesus didn't happen from inside your family. Well, thankfully, discipleship doesn't depend on our biological family because we have been brought into a new family, the family of God. And so discipleship for each and every one of us, regardless of our relationship with our parents or our our families of origin— Discipleship always happens in relationship with other believers. It always happens there. And so that is why one of our central purposes as a church is discipleship. Because we as a family are wanting to come alongside each and every one of us to say, we want to growing as disciples together in the family of God. And you see this actually in, in Timothy's life too. It wasn't just his mother and grandmother who discipled him, who poured into him. His discipleship also happened in relationship with Paul. And with Paul's traveling companions, um, in verse 2 of, of this letter, Paul writes to Timothy, my dear son. Timothy was not Paul's biological son, right? But, but, but he saw him as a spiritual son to him. And in actually, in Acts 16, where we actually are first introduced to Timothy, uh, Paul and Silas, they come to the city of Lystra, where, where Timothy lived. And Paul invites Timothy to come along with them in his missionary journey. And so Timothy joins them. And as he joins Paul and the other companions, guess what happens? Timothy begins the experience of discipleship now in relationship to Paul, in relationship to Paul's companions. In fact, later in this letter, in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, this is what Paul says to Timothy. He says, The things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men, reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So Paul helped Timothy grow as a disciple of Jesus as he taught him, right? Paul taught Timothy, but he also says he did it in the presence of many witnesses. So there were other people involved. It wasn't just Paul and Timothy, but there were other people involved in that process of of growing Timothy, shaping him. Um, And so then he tells Timothy, now what you've been taught, guess what? Teach others, right? Bring that the things that you've learned from me and from others now to to other people, to to bring it to to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others, right? So what I've taught, now you taught to someone and teach people who will then be able to teach others, right? You see how that process goes, how discipleship goes, right? As we are discipled, we disciple others who then disciple others, right? It's this chain reaction, this, this process. And so Timothy, he is called to help others grow as disciples just as Paul and his companions taught him, in, in his book, Rediscovering Discipleship, um, the author, Robert, Rob, uh, Robbie Gallaty, he talks about the importance of doing discipleship in community, in the community of believers. And, and what, the way he talks about this is using the illustration of giant sequoia trees in the Muir Woods, just north of San Francisco. Um, and and you know, many of these trees are almost 250 feet tall, they have been alive for more than 1,500 years, right? So they're, they're incredibly old trees, are incredibly tall trees. And he says that the reason for the sequoia's sustained growth is their support system beneath the earth's surface. That where, where, how are they able to grow so tall and grow so long? He says that it's the roots of these trees that interlock with each other. And this is the secret to their survival through the centuries. So, God has placed each of us, we're one of those trees, right? Interlocked with each other. We're not just growing ourselves, we're growing with our roots intertwined with, with one another. That we're to grow spiritually in communion, in communion with one another, in com- community with each other, interconnected with many members of the body. So, it's not just me, the pastor, it's not just maybe one other mentor but actually we need each other. We need the whole body of Christ to grow in discipleship because each of us have different gifts and different experiences. And so we can bring each of those gifts into the body as we grow together in discipleship. That's the image that we get from that other scripture reading that Dawn read from Ephesians 4, talking about the body of Christ being built up together, being rooted together, being built up into the head who is Christ. So if discipleship happens in relationship with other believers, right? So we need each other. And it happens based on God's word. That is the the teaching. That is where we are discipled through God's word. Then the last question I want to look at today is, so what does that look like practically? How do we help others grow in discipleship? So if we're to step into this role of saying, yes, discipleship is important. I want to be growing as a disciple myself. I want to be helping others grow in discipleship. How do we do it? What does that look like kind of practically? Um, because part of our discipleship, guess what? It is helping others grow in discipleship. Because Jesus, when he when he had those twelve disciples, what did he tell them? Go and make disciples. So part of their role as disciples is to make other disciples. Um, and in our text today, Paul is actually doing that with Timothy. In this letter, Paul is discipling Timothy. He is teaching him what it means to be a disciple. By writing a letter to Timothy, he's doing that. And in the letter, he's also calling Timothy to do that as well. So what do we see in our text that might show us how we can help others grow in discipleship? Well, the first thing we see is to pray for them. As we're seeking to help others grow in discipleship, it starts with praying for them. In verse 3, Paul says to Timothy, "'Night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers.'" As Paul is seeking to help Timothy grow as a disciple, he's praying for Timothy day and night. And so we can pray for the people who we are helping to grow in discipleship. And and if you're not sure who to help grow as a disciple, pray about that. Ask God to to lead you to to someone who you could come alongside of and, and help grow in discipleship. If you're not sure how to help someone grow as a disciple, start with praying for them. Start with praying for wisdom in that. You know, for those of us who are parents, for those who are grandparents, we need to pray regularly for our children. Pray for our grandchildren, not just for their physical growth and their safety, but to pray for their spiritual growth. And and everybody, not just the parents and grandparents, but everybody, we need you guys, everybody here, to pray for the children of this congregation because they are some of the, the youngest ones, right, that we are hoping and wanting to grow as disciples. And so some of those kids right now that are up learning about Jesus right now from, from the teachers up there, you may be, maybe God's calling you to step into that to help teach these young ones. But if, if you're not, pray for them. Pray that God would grow them, stretch them, that he would work in them, um, growing them as, as disciples. Um, pray for us parents, who are seeking to disciple our kids and grow our kids. Pray for your kids who are di- maybe discipling their kids. Um, and, and, and again, those of you who are single, we need you to pray for, for, for our kids, to pray for the kids in our congregation and to pray for each other, right? Pray for the other adults in our congregation that we would grow in discipleship. Pray for those who are, are working right now, who are in, in environments where they are surrounded by many, many times non-Christians, right? Pray that they would grow in discipleship to be able to be a witness in their workplace. That they would be able to, to, to show God's love in, in, in loving and serving those around them. So where does, how do we help others grow in discipleship? The first thing is we pray for them. We pray for each other. We pray for each other. The next thing we see of, of how we help others grow in discipleship is to live your life as an example. To live your life as an example. One of the most powerful ways that we can help others grow as disciples is by showing them what it means to be a disciple of Jesus through the way that we live our lives. People often catch things a lot more than they learn just by teaching, right? By, by, by verbally. They're going to follow examples, right? Our kids, they learn a lot from us parents by what, how we're living, what we're doing, right? And so part of the way that we can help disciple others and grow discipleship is, is the way that we live our lives as examples. Um, Paul did this with Timothy, One of the things that he talks about in our text is his willingness to suffer for the gospel. Um, That was something that Timothy saw in Paul's life. And so in verse 8, Paul says to Timothy, So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So Paul actually is inviting Timothy to, to join him in suffering for the gospel. To, to follow his example and, and begin doing what Paul is doing. Now, we may not always explicitly tell someone, follow my example, <laughs> right? Sometimes we don't feel like we've given a great example, right? But, part of, but what, part of the way that we live our lives will inevitably shape those around us, especially those who are younger than us. And so we need to be thoughtful about the example that we are setting for others who are watching, that we are living our lives as disciples, that we are walking in obedience to Christ, walking in obedience to his word so that others who are watching us will, will be able to see what it means to, follow, to, to be disciples of Jesus. So we pray for them. We live our lives as examples. And then the third thing that we see in our text of how we help others grow in discipleship is we proclaim the gospel to them. Um, the heart of helping people grow in discipleship is pointing them to Jesus, right? Because ultimately we're all disciples of Jesus jesus right so we want people to be with jesus we want people to be learning from him and the best way to do that is to talk about what jesus has done for us to talk about the gospel the good news of salvation that we talked about last week in connection with the purpose of evangelism but i think sometimes we can be tempted to think that only non-christians need to hear the gospel right people who don't who haven't heard the good news right we need to proclaim the gospel to them but guess what those of us who are believers in Jesus, we need to hear the gospel just as much. And if we're wanting other people to grow as disciples of Jesus, we need them to hear the gospel regularly in their lives because we can so easily take our focus off the gospel and we we need to be reminded of it again and again. So listen to what Paul says to Timothy in verses 9 and 10. Remember, Timothy, he's a mature believer. He's a minister of the gospel. And yet Paul, in this letter he reminds Timothy of the gospel for him still. So he says this in verse nine. He says, God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death, and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What is Paul doing there with Timothy? He's proclaiming the gospel to him. He's telling him what Jesus has done for him, what Jesus has done for us. And he's reminding Timothy that his identity and his standing before God is not because of anything that he has done, but it is because of God's purpose and grace to him in Jesus Christ. I think one of the pitfalls We have to be very careful to avoid when we are seeking to grow as disciples and as we're helping others to grow as disciples as well is to begin thinking that God's view of us and his relationship to us is dependent upon how good of a job we're doing as disciples or how good of a job we're doing at helping others grow as disciples. It can be very easy to look at ourselves and think, man, I'm really failing at this whole discipleship thing. I'm not doing a good job of discipling my kids. I'm not intentionally helping anyone else grow as a disciple. I'm not praying enough. I'm not living my life as as a good example for others. And so God must be really disappointed in me as a disciple. But the heart of being a disciple of Jesus is that our standing before God doesn't depend on what we do. It doesn't depend on how good of a disciple we are or how good we are at discipling others. We are defined by what Jesus has done for us. And Jesus has paid for all the times that we fail to do what we should do. That he has forgiven us for falling short of his perfect standard of being disciples, of discipling others. And we need to be reminded of that again and again, as we seek to help others grow in discipleship, or we're going to be really discouraged when we don't do it perfectly, right? We need to hear the gospel ourselves. And this is the most important thing that we can pass on to the people that we are discipling, that their value And that their standing before God does not depend on how good of a disciple they are or how good they are at making disciples either. That it rests on what Jesus has done for them. That God is pleased with them because they have been credited with Christ's righteousness and because their sins have been washed clean. So proclaiming the gospel again and again to someone that we're helping to grow in discipleship, that is really the heart. That is the key of discipling someone is helping them to understand the gospel and the grace of God more and more in their lives just as we receive it in our own lives. But then there's one last thing that Paul says here to Timothy, which flows out of proclaiming the gospel. As we proclaim the gospel, right? That God is pleased with you, not because of what you're doing, but because of what Christ has done for you. Then it leads to this last part of helping others to grow, which is to encourage and exhort. To encourage and exhort. Because our value in standing before God doesn't depend on anything that we do, because it's secure in what Christ has done for us, we now get to live our lives for our Savior. We get to live our lives for Jesus as disciples of his. We get to obey him, not to earn anything from him. But because we love him, because of what he's done for us, because he has saved us out of gratitude and out of worship for him. And so part of what it means to help others grow as disciples is to encourage them and exhort them to do the same. Say, because Jesus loves you unconditionally, guess what? We get to follow our Jesus in discipleship. We get to obey him, not to earn anything, but out of freedom, because we want to please our Lord And so Paul says this to Timothy in verse 6. He says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So Paul encourages Timothy to use those gifts that God has given him to serve the Lord. Right? He's exhorting Timothy to do that. Um, In verse 9, again, Paul tells Timothy that God has called us to live a holy life that that is part of our response to the gospel is that we are to live a holy life, a life set apart for Jesus in obedience to him. We don't do it to earn God's favor, but we do it in response to what Christ has done for us. And so we encourage, we exhort one another to do that. It's part of what it means to help others grow as disciples, to help them see the implications of the gospel, of what flows from the gospel. Because Jesus has saved us, this is how we live in response to what Jesus has done for us. Now, there is, is way more that I could say <laughs> in this passage. As I was studying, I was like, man, there's, there's so much good in this and this, and, and, but I'm, I'm running out of time today. <laughs> so what I want to encourage you to do is, is just to sit with two, two kind of questions um, Very practical questions, very application-oriented questions as as you catch this idea of what it means to, to be a disciple and to make other disciples. And the first question is, who is helping you to grow as a disciple of Jesus? Who's helping you to grow as a disciple of Jesus in your life? Is there someone who, and ideally more than one person, who's walking with you in your life and who's pointing you to Jesus and who's helping you to learn from God's word and who's praying for you regularly and who's proclaiming the gospel to you, who's reminding you of the gospel in your life and who's encouraging you and exhorting you. And, and if you don't have someone like that in your life, pray that God would lead you to someone or multiple people who would help you grow as a disciple. And, and here's the thing, guess what, brothers and sisters, that's what we're about in this church, is to come alongside each other to do that. And so if you're looking for someone to do that, who in this room could walk with you in that? There are many people, I I guarantee you, who would love to do that with you, to walk with you in growing as a disciple of Jesus and to walk sometimes with each other as we grow together in discipleship with one another. And so that leads kind of to that, that second question, which is, who are you helping to grow as a disciple of Jesus? As, as you are learning what it means to be a disciple, who are you teaching? Who are you passing that along to? Is there someone, or, or, or again, maybe multiple people that you're walking with, that you're, you're pointing to Jesus, that you're helping them learn from God's word, that you're praying for them, that you're proclaiming the gospel to them, that you're encouraging and exhorting them? And if there isn't anybody that you're doing that with right now, then pray that God would lead you to someone or multiple people that you could help grow as a disciple. Listen, none of us are gonna have fully arrived at being a disciple before we help lead other people to be disciples, right? It is a process. As we're learning, as we're growing, we are then helping others grow as well. And so there is grace over all of this, right? But here's the thing, you don't have to do it alone. We do it together. We do it as the body of Christ. I am so thankful that I am not the only one who is discipling my kids, but that Amanda's doing it. And she's teaching the kids on Sunday that many of you are praying for my kids, that, that, that Eddie is, is, is coming alongside of them and showing them how much that he, he sees them and loves them, right? My kids need the body of Christ. We need each other to walk in this together. And so as we close this, this, this series, this whole series, we are the church. Right? We're gathering this building here, but we are the church, the people who are gathered here. And God has some amazing purposes for us. He, he wants us to, to enter into these amazing purposes that he has given to us as the church, to worship him, to pray to him, to have fellowship with each other, to share the good news through evangelism, and to walk in discipleship and help others walk in discipleship. And so here's the freedom we get to grow into these purposes together. None of us are experts. We all get to grow into these purposes together as the body. And here is the really amazing news that as we, as we walk into these purposes, we're not doing it ourselves either. We have the Holy Spirit who will empower us, who will lead us in these ways, who is shaping us and molding us individually, molding us together. And so we can rest in that ultimately it's, it's ultimately God's work. He's the one that is working in us and through us through the power of the Holy Spirit to empower us into these purposes. So praise the Lord that he is the head of the church and that he is the one who is doing this work of knitting us together and molding us more and more into his purposes that we get to live our lives for him who has given everything for us. Let's pray. Jesus, We invite you to do this work in us, to disciple us through your word, to teach us how to walk in your ways, to obey your commands, to follow in your ways, Lord, and use us to help encourage others around us as to grow in their discipleship as well. We need you, Jesus. We need you to disciple us. We need you, Holy Spirit. And so do that in us, do that through us,